Hello, vampires and slayers. It's time for another recap of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, um, if you don't know, I am, this is Mixtress Ray, um, and I am doing a project where I watch every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is my favorite show ever, exactly 20 years after it aired. So the show debuted on March, Jesus, I can't even remember now. <laughs> Good thing I got my big Buffy binder in front of me and I can tell you March 10th of 1997. So, um, we are now up to tonight. We are reviewing episode seven angel, which, um, obviously aired April 14th. Well, maybe not obviously if you're listening to the podcast, then at the very least you're listening to this two, two days later, probably. Um, so what I do for the review, I'm starting to get like a I'm starting to get a little bit of a vibe going here, a little bit of, you know, a ritual. I've got this gigantic binder right here in front of me, my Buffy binder. I've got little tabs in it that are, um, for each season. <laughs> um, and I take notes while I'm watching it. I've decided that really the best bet if it's not one of those episodes that I really, really don't like, like basically the way I've been doing it so far, if it's an episode that I am dreading and I really don't like, I will watch it once and do a drinking game and sort of do off the cuff thoughts while I'm watching it. And I don't take it as seriously, but when it's an important episode, um, I really would like to get into the habit of watching it at least twice, and that is what I have done today. So we are going to review episode seven called Angel, and I did watch it twice, and I'm pretty proud of myself. I watched it like twice back to back in a row. I actually had to stop halfway through the first time I watched it for about two hours and then went back to it, but then I immediately started it over again, and I took three whole pages of notes this time. So that was fun. So I, I feel like I'm getting better at this, you guys. Um, so first of all, I guess I should get out of the way if you want to get a hold of me for any reason. Um, if you would like to be a guest for a certain episode of Buffy, let me know. And we can, even if we don't live close together and we can't actually get in the same room, we could do like a Skype thing. Um, for the podcast and we could review episodes together. So if you want to be a guest on the show for any particular episode, um, just email me mixtressradio at gmail.com. So that's M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-D-I-O at gmail. And of course you can find me on the Mixtress Radio Facebook page or um, just find me on any social media. I'm Mixtress Ray on any social media, and the Ray is spelled R-A-E, not R-A-Y. It's the girly spelling of Ray. That's my middle name. <laughs> Let's just do a little personal um, backstory right now, I guess, for fun. I didn't know I was going to do this. If anybody is curious how I got the name Mixtress Ray, um, Ray is my middle name, like I said. And, um, what had happened was this was like, God, when was this? It was probably 2009. Um, a coworker of mine, I gave her a mix for her birthday because I've, I've always just been really into music and giving people mixes and making mixes. And I've always just been super into like 
like sometimes, and I've said this before, but sometimes I don't know how I feel about something until I make a mix. So like a lot of times I make a mix when I'm trying to like sort something out emotionally or, you know, if there's a change happening in my life, if I'm starting a new job, if I'm, um, you know, I'll make mixes best of the year mix, you know, I'll make a mix for, I make mixes for certain situations a lot. Like I have an anti-anxiety mix. I, um, you know, will make a mix. I have a mix called all hail me. That's all like screaming, like angry type songs. And that's, you know, obviously for a certain mood. Um, and I just make mixes for everything. And I've done that for as long as I can remember. And so anyway, I made a mix for her birthday and songs that I thought she would like and stuff like that. And she was telling me how she, she was giving me like a review of the mix, like after she had listened to it. And she was like, it was just so cool. Like she said all these really nice things, um, about, you know, my transitions and how I structured the mix and stuff like that. Like how I ordered the mix and she was just saying all these things. And these are things that of course I put a lot of thought into with my mixes. I try to put it in an order that makes sense. And I try to pick, I try to pick songs that, um, that another, if I'm making it for a certain person, I like to pick, um, songs that I think that they would like, both songs that I know that they would like mixed up with songs that I think they might like that might be a little outside their comfort zone, you know, like to get them into new stuff. You know, I'm very, I overthink it really is the, is the easy way to put that. And she was just saying all these nice things. And she was like, it's amazing. It's like, it's like you're a mixtress. And that was just a moment for me. It was like, oh my God. It's like a mixture between sorceress and mistress. I like this. <laughs> it's like I'm the sorceress of mixes. <laughs> and she just made that word up on the spot. So, um, Carrie, you get total credit for that. If you're listening, I, I, that was just one of the defining moments in my life right there. And so that's when, I don't know if I immediately, I think I did pretty much immediately, at least on my mixes, I would write by Mixtress Ray or whatever. Um, and then later, whenever I started my radio show, of course, that's when I started, um, calling myself Mixtress Ray a lot. Um, I think I was already Mixtress Ray on all the social media stuff. Um, that's just the name that I pick for everything now. Um, it used to be, you guys don't care. It used to be Lananchi, which is like, um, Gaelic or Celtic or Irish, I don't know, for, um, fairy muse or blood fairy. I've heard sometimes it's usually, um, like in fairy folklore, it's, it's like a fairy that drinks blood. So I used to go by Lananchi and it's really hard to spell. Um, so I'm glad I didn't stick with that whenever I started, um, podcasts and things, because I would have to spell it out every time. And people would be like, what? Like I can spell mixtress Ray and it's close enough to something that you've heard before that you can space out for a second and still get the gist. But Lananchi, let me just spell that for you just for fun. L-E-A-N-A-N-S-I-D-H-E. So I like spelling things. Spelling is fun. 
Okay, now that we've got the weirdo personal details of my life out of the way, um, let's just first give a shout out Sarah Michelle Geller. It's her birthday today, April 14th, which means that the day that this episode came out, Angel, it was her birthday. I think back then it would have been either her 19th or 20th birthday. Um, obviously not when she was shooting it, but when the episode aired. So happy birthday, Sarah Michelle Geller. Um, awesome, right? Kind of Buffy. Kind of Buffy's birthday. But Buffy's Buffy the character's birthday is not in April. Okay, so let's just go through a few things here. Um, I guess I should give you like a general plot description of the episode Angel. This is the one where you find out that Angel is, shocker, a vampire. So, um, that's basically the big gist of the episode. Um, okay. I don't know. Should I go through? I guess I should go through research first. So I have several different Buffy books that I, um, look through their index to see if they mention whatever episode I'm watching that day. Um, two of them had something kind of interesting to say. Um, the one that's called Sex and the Slayer. It's a gender studies book um, about Buffy. It had something kind of interesting to say about when Angel, it was talking about the moment, um, there's a moment in the show where um, maybe I should like, I think if I were a better person at this shit, I would like wait until I get to the point where I'm talking about that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So, because both of the interesting things that my books had to say about it are referring to a specific scene. So, I'll just wait until I get to that point when we're talking about the episode itself. So, let's just do that. Hopefully, I'll remember to do that. Um, so, I'm just going to go through my notes. I kind of took notes and tried to keep them in the order of the episode. So, the episode opens with the master, the big bad of the season. He is underground. He's talking to Darla and he's talking about family. He's talking to the anointed one who's this child character, which we still don't know exactly what his deal is, except that he's evil and that he's a big deal. Um, it's very, it's all very biblical. Um, but anyway, so the master is talking to the anointed one and lamenting about family. And he's referring to the fact he's talking to Darla, who Darla, if you don't remember, she's actually the first person that was ever shown in the series of Buffy. She was in that very first episode. She was wearing like a schoolgirl outfit outfit. And at first you think she's going to be a victim, but it turns out she's the vampire. And, um, in like the second episode, the harvest, um, Willow like throws holy water in her face and she runs off screaming. Anyway, she's a vampire. So mas the master is talking to her about like how we used to be a family and he's referring to Angel too. And so you realize that Darla and the master had some sort of connection to Angel at some point. I think they're mentioning Angel at this point. They're talking about family. Yeah, they do mention Angel. They do. Um, so it's interesting because I, I wrote down that this is the first time we really see that vampires can have some semblance of humanity because the master is talking about 
all of his followers, like Darla and um, the Anointed One, as if they're his family. He refers to them as family. So I think that's interesting because up until this point, we really haven't seen any humanity in any vampires. So this is um, the opening of this episode is sort of setting the precedent that, hey, sometimes vampires do normal things. Sometimes vampires have feelings for one another, you know. So that's what that is setting up right there. Next scene is, um, it's a pre-fumigation party at the bronze, which apparently is an annual event where if you kill a cockroach and bring it up to the counter, you get a free drink, which is absurd and gross, but also hilarious. Um, also in like one little scene with some extras in it, like a girl picks up a cockroach alive by its legs and hands it over to the counter to like the bartender or whatever and he starts getting her a drink gross so gross but if you put that part out of your mind what they are wearing is hilarious the girl that picks up the cockroach is wearing um a coat that looks like french's coat from third rock from the sun the like really furry gray coat. So cool. I want one like that. I've wanted a coat like that for freaking ever and it just hasn't happened. So she's wearing that coat and when she hands the cockroach over to the bartender who's holding like a jar full of cockroaches and she just drops it into the jar. <laughs> so at least he doesn't take it with his hands. But anyway, uh, the bartender's wearing a shiny silver spandex shirt. Only in the late 90s could you ever see that on film. It's a good moment. Um, so, oh my god. Just the... I have to stop, but I can't help thinking way too much into this whole cockroach party. Like, if they have an annual fumigation thing where they shut down, where they close the bronze for a few days and kill all the cockroaches, does that mean that, like, the rest of the year... They're just sort of trying to ignore the cockroaches. <laughs> That's so gross. Can you imagine, like, cockroaches running all around an establishment? It is gross, but I do also find it hilarious and absurd. And so I like it because, you know, it just means that the show does not at all take itself that seriously. I mean, there's a lot of, like, serious angsty bullshit that is dealt with in this show, and sometimes you forget and you think that the show takes itself seriously, but then there are moments like this where you know that they don't. And you must remember that this show does not take itself seriously, okay? Stop making sense. They follow that creed. Um, okay, so Dude in Bright Silver Shirt, I did have to write that down. That was part of my notes. Um, then it cuts to, you see Xander on the dance floor. He's dancing. Oh, um, before this, Buffy and Willow are sort of having a conversation about boys. And it's really cute. There's several scenes in this episode where um, Buffy and Willow are just sort of talking. And it's cute to see their their friendship be like a real girl friendship. Um I think they really lost those moments later in the series, but in the first few seasons, you get to see that every once in a while, and that's really cool. So they were having a conversation about boys. Um, first little nugget 
that Buffy drops. Um, she's just sort of spacing off and Willow, <laughs> so cute, Willow says to her, what's it like where you are? <laughs> Such a cute little line. Um, and Buffy's like, Willow's like, guy? Is this about a guy? And um, what does Buffy say? She says, well, not exactly a guy. So I thought that was an interesting little nugget right there that I'm sure Joss put in there on purpose. Because you find out later, Angel isn't exactly a guy. He's a vampire. So I'm sure that was intentional. And then it cuts to, um, and they're sort of talking about, and then, I don't know, Willow says something kind of about Xander. And then it shows her like looking towards him. And he's on the dance floor dancing real wacky and crazy. And it's a cute little quirky Xander moment. But then he bumps into Cordelia and she like says something rude to him, snarky. She does her Cordelia thing. I don't even remember what it was. And he replies, let's see, I wrote it down. I don't know what everyone's talking about. That outfit doesn't make you look like a hooker. And then he walks off. And so I find that problematic. I have decided to start what I'm calling Xander transgressions. So far, he so th these will all be instances in which Xander is a dick. <laughs> Examples of Xander being a dick. Um, since we're starting from the beginning, it'll be easy to keep track. So far, he's been a dick three times, including that moment. And he says the worst shit to Cordelia. Like, this is the first time he's really said something awful. But um, those are going to be in his Xander transgression list a lot. And actually, I didn't write this down yet, so I need to write it down. Where's my pen? You guys are going to need to hear me write it down here. Xander. Cordelia looks like a hooker. So problematic and something that I never really thought about the first couple times I watched the series. About how awful he is to Cordelia, but this is the first time you see that. So I have three things written down under Xander transgressions. Um, when he tried to peek at Buffy in a mirror while she was changing and he was supposed to have his back turned in her bedroom in the fifth episode. In the sixth episode, last week, the episode that we decided to put in the vault for all time and try to pretend it doesn't exist, but he attempts to rape Buffy and then um, he was under the influence of a hyena spirit at the time, but... He remembers the whole thing, but he pretends that he doesn't. So that's the Xander transgression. The fact that he remembers it, but he doesn't acknowledge that he remembers it and doesn't apologize, which is shitty, real shitty. Not going to go back into that again. So um, three things on the Xander transgressions list. I will keep you updated as to however many more there will be. By the end of the series, I'm sure there'll be several pages worth of Xander transgressions. Okay, let's go back to my notes. Um, so, okay, Buffy is, she's just sort of distracted. You know, she's thinking about Angel and she doesn't know what the deal is with this guy because as she told Willow, like, what would our relationship be like? 
honey, you're in danger. And then he disappears for a month. Because so far, all he's ever really done is just shown up every once in a while to tell Buffy that something's coming, and then he disappears. He has never even helped her fight before. He has not lent in a hand. He just lurks a lot. Um, so then Buffy's just like, okay, obviously I'm putting everybody else in a funk. I'm just going to go home. So she walks out, and you see that Angel is across the room watching her. Motherfucker is always watching her. I have a problem with this. I know that, I mean, later you kind of find out that Buffy is sort of the reason why Angel is on a path of redemption, um, which is a whole thing. And like he, he watches her and it's always in the guise of protecting her. He doesn't interfere in her life of any choices that she wants to make. He doesn't like watch her when she's at home in her bedroom or anything like that. He just watches her when she's out and, you know, to make sure she's okay, I guess. And I guess he just never thought to interfere. He just never wanted to interfere, but lately it's just become too much. So the whole point of him watching her is under the guise of protection and that genuinely is his intent. But it still fucking creeps me out when you just, like, see the silhouette of Angel across the room just looking at her, not telling her that he is there. And it, ugh, I don't like that. I don't like it. So anyway, um, after Buffy walks out, oh, earlier the, the um, master was talking about how we needed, they needed to kill Buffy because she's taken out too many of his family. So, um he was going to send the three after her. So these are supposed to be like real hardcore assassins or whatever. So after Buffy walks out of the bronze, she encounters the three and, um, they are pretty tough and she's fighting them. And it, then Angel intervenes. This is the first time he's ever intervened. This is the first time you ever see Angel fight. So they fight together for a second and Buffy grabs him. So they like scratch him in the ribs or slash him with something, something he gets injured. So she, um, they fight them off enough so that they get a head start and she says, let's run or something like that. And so they run over to Buffy's house and she invites him in like, come on, come on. Conveniently, because in this universe, vampires do have to be invited in. She invites him in and, um, okay. What did I write? Um, I think it's interesting because I think, I mean, she didn't know at the time that he was, I mean, because he's a vampire, he has super strength just like she does. And she doesn't realize while they're fighting these other, these three, the three, as they're called, that they could have easily taken them out. Um, so I think she suggests she suggests that they run in order to protect him because he just got slashed and she thinks he's a normal human man. And so I think the only reason why she ran was because it, she thought she was protecting him. Um, oh, funny little quote. I forgot to say while they were fighting, um, when Angel first steps in and starts fighting the three, he says, good dogs don't 
bite. So that was almost the quote of the episode, but there's one that Angel says later that's even better. But I thought that was interesting because, you know, essentially he's a good dog and he doesn't bite. <laughs> so I like that he said that good dogs don't bite. Um, so they get to Buffy's house. I get her mom isn't there. Um, she goes into the kitchen. She gets like a bandage or whatever. She tells him to take his shirt off because, you know, he's injured. And, um, so this is the first time that Angel is topless. So if you're playing the Buffy drinking game right now, you need to take a shot because Angel's topless. Um, I'm not drinking right now though. Last week was a, oh my God, I have some stories to tell you about after I stopped recording last week because Sagan and I were wasted. We drank that entire fifth of Fireball, the whole thing. I'm not going to tell you the stories. But uh, there are a few funny anecdotes that if you know me in person, I might tell you. Um, so, okay, so this is the scene. So he's in the house. He takes his shirt off. He has a tattoo. Um, this is the scene that's mentioned in two of my Buffy books. In Sex and the Slayer, they talk about how this moment of he him taking his shirt off is kind of feminizing him in this show in general there's a precedent of the men are the ones that are um objectified uh and they really are like nine times out of ten it's the men that are objectified in this show which is one of the reasons why i'm more comfortable watching it <laughs> Because I like, I like the way, I mean, Joss is pretty straightforward with, um, the way that he does his feminism in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's pretty straightforward gender reversal is what he does most of the time. And just that is enough to make things subversive and make, and make a point. And it's just beautiful in its simplicity. And that's what he does with most things that he can do that with. So this is the first time you see Angel Topless and um, something that Sex and the Slayer mentioned was whenever, uh, let's see, feminizing the character by the positioning, by positioning the male as a sexual object to be looked at. Um, and then it talks about another scene there too. So I gotta remember to go back. And then in Why Buffy Matters, this scene is actually ends up being mirrored next season. There is a time period in which they're both fighting together and Buffy gets injured. And so he pulls out and they run back to his place instead. And she has to sort of like bear her shoulder because she's injured and he's tending to her wounds. So it's sort of I never thought about that before, but I like that that book mentioned that that's sort of, those two scenes are sort of mirrored. Um, okay, so there's that. Okay, Angel Topless. Oh, and then there's also this moment that is, um, I don't know if Joss was trying to refer back to this moment where he has, um, two episodes ago whenever she was changing and Xander was in the room and she asked him to turn around and he tried to look at her against her will. Um, but there's this moment she, 
like she has Angel in her bedroom with her because for some reason they're like really scared of these three vampires. So they decide that, that he needs to hide out with her inside her house. And, um, so they're in her bedroom and she's about to change in her, into her jammies and she asks him to turn around. And in contrast to Xander, he stays turned around until she walks back up to him and until he knows it's safe to look at her again. He does not try to peek at her at all. So, okay, so I need to move along. <laughs> it's already only 30, 30 minutes in. Okay, so he sleeps on the floor. She sleeps in the bed. This is where we get to the object of desire of the episode. She, when she lays down on her pillow and mom hates this and she says something every time we see this pillow, but I fucking love this pillow that Buffy has on her bed. The first like two or three seasons of the show, she has this like really dark cream colored crochet doily looking, like it's probably supposed to be a sham you know that you don't actually lay on because it's crocheted and it might feel kind of weird to have you know you'd end up with a crochet pattern on your cheek when you got up in the morning but she sleeps on this pillow and I love it so much and I want one of my very own probably not in cream but you know some other color um, and I just love this pillow so this is the object of desire of the episode um, which is if I could pluck any object out of this particular ep episode to keep for myself for all time, it would be that pillowcase. So this is the first time you see it. I think I'm pretty sure this is the first time you see this crochet pillowcase. Um, so they go to sleep the next day, Buffy and Willow are studying, um, together at night before she goes home again. And, um, is it? I don't think so. I, I skipped over some shit. So the next night she goes home and he's still in the bedroom, which I find that a little strange. Like, why did he not leave? I guess they're that scared of these three vampires. Uh, like he just hung out in her bedroom all freaking day until she comes home at night. That's a little odd. But anyway, she asks him what he did all day. And he's like, oh, I just did some reading and thinking. And her diary is out on her desk. So he, she thinks that he read it. And so she starts going, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. A could stand for anything. It's, it stands for Ahmed, a charming foreign exchange student. And she just starts like going off about how, just sort of revealing that she obviously has written a lot about Angel in her diary and she is really distracted by him and she really likes him. And, um, he, and that's when they kiss essentially. And there's been, there were like the moment where he was first topless was kind of a hot moment, not just because he was topless. Cause I'm not, I'm kind of into Angel these days, but historically I haven't been so it's not really that but like they have pretty good chemistry together and you can tell that they're super into each other and so that was like kind of a hot moment the night before when he had a shirt off and that was when he said something like maybe I like you and then so the kiss and it's just a really like it's a good kiss 
You know, it starts off, you know, really sweet and soft and then it gets real intense and it's a good kiss. You know, I wouldn't say I was listening to a podcast the other day. Part of my research now, I found a really awesome podcast about Buffy called Buffering the Vampire Slayer. So I want to plug this podcast for a second. Their podcast is really good. It's um, two chicks. They're married, I think. I'm pretty sure they refer to each other as wife. So they're married, I guess. Um, and what they do is they write these little songs for certain, for certain characters. Like they have a Cordelia song and, um, cause one of them is a musician. And at the end of each, um, of their recap episodes, they have, they debut a song that they've written about the episode itself. It's so cool. It's a really cool, it just started, um, they're only, they're like about halfway through season two right now. So it started not long ago, but it's, I mean, I've tried a lot of different Buffy podcasts, but theirs is the most interesting next to mine, of course. <laughs> um, but theirs is pretty cool. And they were saying in their episode, I forgot my, what my point was. I completely forgot what my point was. I don't know. I feel like I had a point that somehow referred to buffering the vampire slayer, but I don't remember what it was. Okay, so Angel Stopless. Uh, then they kiss. Oh, yes. Okay. They were saying that it was like one of the best TV kisses of all time. And so I started thinking about um, when they were saying that. Uh, one of the best first kisses of all time. And I started thinking back to like well, how do I feel? Like, what are my favorite TV kisses of all time? I immediate, immediately came to mind was three different kisses. Um, these, this is the most heteronormative list of all time. These are a bunch of white people and straight relationships, but that's most of what we've seen in our culture. So whatever. Um, so th I only came up with three kisses that I thought were like ultimate TV kisses, but I'll tell you what they are just for fun. Ross and Rachel, I don't know if it was their first, first kiss. I remember it as their first kiss, but there's another one that people talk about that, um, I didn't think was their first kiss, but whatever. In my mind, this is their first kiss. It's in the episode, the one with the prom video, I believe is what it's called, where, um, Rachel realizes that Ross, um, was going to be her date to the prom when she thought that her date was standing her up and he had gotten all dressed up and he was about to give her flowers and like, you know, be her hero of the night. And they were watching the video of him getting ready and all that shit. Um, the home video. And she just gets up walks across the room into the kitchen where he's standing looking all mopey like he does and kisses him. And I remember that being a big, big moment for me when that came out. That was like the first time in my life. And I was young at the time. I was in like middle school. First time in my life that I ever remember wanting two characters to get together and being and feeling like I was waiting forever. And then finally they kissed that whole thing. I've always enjoyed that tension in TV shows. I really enjoy the narrative of like waiting for years, literally for two characters to get together. So I wouldn't put 
this Buffy and Angel kiss in that same category because you didn't have to wait that long. This is only episode seven and he was, he hasn't even been in every episode. Like they didn't really take a lot of time to build up this tension. And that's one area where I think this episode failed. I mean, I get that you need to find out that he's a vampire, but I think they really could have built this tension longer. But I get the fact that they weren't even sure they were going to be renewed for a second season. So they were, they had to get there. They had to get there halfway through this season and the season's only 12 episodes long. So I get why they didn't build up to it, but it would have been more satisfying for me anyway, if they had. It was a good kiss, but it wasn't like, you know, you weren't waiting for years for it to happen. So it wasn't as good as these other kisses in my opinion. The other kiss, and this one wasn't one that you were waiting for forever either, but it was just a good kiss. Um, Veronica Mars and Logan, whatever his last name is, and Veronica Mars, their first kiss. What is super odd, I don't particularly, I don't find either of them like super attractive. I mean, Kristen Bell is fucking cute as all get out. So... To a certain extent, I find her attractive. But whoever plays the Logan guy, I I have no interest in him. He's a vanilla-looking dude. But when the two of them kiss, they are the hottest kisses that I've ever seen in my life. And this first one is no exception. Something about, like, what I always get distracted by in, like, the kisses that I like in TV and movies is, like, the details of where the guy puts his hands. That's always a big deal to me because if the hands are like around the waist, no. If the hands are on the ass, no. If the hands are not even on the girl, no. I like it when guys do the whole face cupping thing um, or like their hands are like clutched into the their hair in the back of their head or... Um, in Logan's case, he does this thing where he just like gently pulls Veronica towards him in this way that like I couldn't stop watching. There was something about that little detail of where he just sort of really casually like like pulls at her back just like a little bit to see if she was receptive to it. When then when he realized that she was, he like pulled her in, you know, like aggressively, but he did like this little hesitant movement first, like to see if she was into it, which that just like that little tiny detail, I just, and the fact that Logan was always kissing Veronica on the forehead, something about their chemistry together, those two humans, those two straight white blonde humans. Um, I always enjoyed their, their kisses. So that would probably possibly get number one for me. I don't know. Um, but the other, the third kiss that, um, was a really good kiss. I think best possibly number one, two, all of these are just like, I think they're good was, um, between Jess and Nick on new girl, their first kiss. It was in the hallway of their apartment and it was just so good. I rewound it so many times when it first came out. Um, and that's one of the things like, yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't want to get like on a super long distracting tangent about the best kisses in TV. Um, 
I don't remember the first kiss between Booth and Bones on Bones. I kind of wish I had looked that up before talking to you guys so I could tell you if it's if it's a good one. But because it doesn't pop up in my memory, I mean, obviously you were waiting a gazillion years for it to happen because I don't think they have their first kiss until at least season five or six. Um, until season five or fucking six, okay? That's like the longest wait you've ever had to wait for two characters to get together. Um, the other... And I started thinking about this. I was like, what about Jim and Pam from The Office? Because that's my, like, one of my favorite, that's pretty much my very favorite relationship in a TV show ever. And I started thinking about it and I realized you don't get to see their first kiss. And I think that's an interesting choice. Like, that's something that they usually build up so much and it's such an important thing and blah. No, you do. <gasps> no, wait. You do get to see their first kiss because it happens way before they ever get together because it's like at a party. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's my number one kiss. I forgot about it for a second because I forgot because they don't end up together for like another year or two after this kiss. Um, but that was a good one. That was a good one. It was on casino night. And he had confessed to her that he's in love with her and she sort of rejects him and she goes back to the office and she calls her mother from Jim's desk, by the way. She doesn't go to the reception desk where she works to call her mother. There's a phone there too. She calls from Jim's desk and then he walks in and kisses her and it's just, it's magical. It's magical. So those are my top four TV kisses. Jim and Pam on The Office, Logan and Veronica on Veronica Mars, Jess and Nick on New Girl, and Ross and Rachel on Fucking Friends. And it's funny because all of these people, Pam and Jim are perfect for each other, and I love their whole love story. Jess and Nick, I think they belong together. They're going to end up together at the end of that series. Logan and Veronica, I mean, in the because that's one of those shows that has it's continued on in first it continued on in a movie and now it's moved on to books and it's it's all canon the books are canon and everything she's still with logan but i don't know if they're forever or not i don't know for sure ross and rachel i guess they do end up together but i don't think ross and rachel are perfect for each other I don't really care that much about Ross and Rachel. There, I said it. Okay, now that I've gone on that weird tangent about perfect kisses. Okay, so when they kiss, at one point, he he's getting so excited, I guess, that he goes into vamp face. So this is where the Sex and the Slayer book starts talking about um, when he goes into vamp face. It's, they said it was displaced physical manifestation of male desire. And then they put a question mark because they weren't sure if that was really the intention, but I think that could be, you know, it's like, it's like an erection being shown in your face, you know? Um, and that's when they also went on to say that it feminizes his character by positioning him as a sexual object. 
both him being topless earlier and this moment where, you know, like you can see that he's aroused, but I don't, I don't really see how that, it only quote unquote feminizes him because normally in our culture, it's the woman that is supposed to be the object. And in Buffy and Angel's relationship, it's Angel. He's always the object. So I thought that was an interesting thing to think about and something else that, okay, I'll, I'll get to that point later, actually. So while they're kissing, he goes into vamp face and she, she didn't know until that moment that he's a vampire. And so she starts screaming and he jumps out the window. So weird shit, right? So then she has a conversation with Giles and Willow and Xander the next day. Like, can a vampire ever be good? Because he was good to me. I don't understand. And Giles was like, no, there's never been a precedent for a vampire being good. And Xander's being like super, like he's just so jealous all the time and he's so anti-angel and he remains that way throughout the series. He never likes Angel. Just ever. No matter how much good he does. Like Xander's very black and white. If you're a vampire, I don't like you. End of story. So, um, but he's being real. He's a vampire. You're a slayer. You know what you need to do. Whatever. So, um, let's see. One thing that I, that struck me that I have thought before that I thought this might be a good time to bring up. Like at one point, okay, so in the Buffy world, the vampires are bad. And there are two separate times in which Buffy is super into and loves a vampire. Um, so we'll get into all that, of course, but the thing that I find interesting and I'm really happy about this choice is that in most pop culture nowadays, if a human girl was in love with a vampire, there would be some discussion at some point, <clears throat> Twilight, about making the girl a vampire, because how can you have a relationship with a vampire? The vampire is not going to age, but you are. And this is brought up in this episode of Buffy by Willow to Buffy in one of their cute little girly conversations. But I really like that in Buffy, this is never, not once, a discussion. Never does anyone bring up, maybe we could just make Buffy a vampire so then she could live forever with Angel or whoever she loves. They don't do that. Ever, ever, ever. No one brings that up, neither Angel, nor Buffy, nor anyone else. No one ever suggests that is a possibility because when you are, when you become a vampire, you lose your soul. Not to mention, you know, like Angel has a soul. He got a soul. They are able to do a spell to restore his soul later in the series. Spoiler alert, but... And they could ostensibly do that for Buffy. She could become a vampire and she would probably re retain her slayer like stuff too. So then she could be a vampire slayer. Duh. She could slay them and be one. 
like uh isn't anita blake from the laurel k hamilton book series isn't she a vampire that is also a slayer but i and it seems like a typical road that they could have gone down and i'm so glad they never did buffy's humanity has always been so exalted so put on a pedestal such an important part of who she is that they just could never go there and none of the boys that she loves that are vampires ever suggest such an awful thing and i'm that's cool because it's a selfish thing to suggest and i'm so glad that they never did that anyway something that occurred to me okay so darla goes to buffy's house and she's been wearing all these like catholic schoolgirl outfits and shit just pretending to be all sweet in that way that julie benson does that voice that my mom hates the like breathy little girl voice so she comes over and she's like she's like joyce um i'm supposed to study with buffy tonight <laughs> and so joyce being joyce invites her in and offers her a snack because joyce is always offering snacks to every vampire that comes into the house it's just her thing she's such a good mom she has the cutest relationship later in the series with spike whenever she just like even when he's evil he'll sit down and have a cup of tea with her and talk to her like he never would think about harming joyce because he's such a mama's boy anyway that's a whole other thing so darla comes in um, because joyce invited her and then darla bites joyce and um angel because he's always fucking lurking um comes in to save her and darla like throws joyce into his arms and runs off so um after taunting him for a second she's spent this whole episode taunting him by the way i haven't mentioned that yet like she's constantly in his apartment taunting him and i'm like what the fuck why do you keep letting this bitch hang out with you in your house <laughs> like i get that you guys had a relationship before and you're all tormented because you're in love with the slayer and you have a soul and all this shit but they haven't they have not revealed that he has a soul yet so i shouldn't say that anyway so she's taunting him she's like don't you want something warm for once don't you want to remember what it's like and he's he so he goes into vamp face because he's really tempted because her neck is right there and it looks like he bit her the way that darla threw her into his arms and so he goes into vamp face and that's when buffy walks in the door of course so she thinks that he's the one that bit her because darla has already run off at this point she's not even in the house anymore and so buffy throws him through a window property destruction at the summer's house six okay property destruction at the summer's house 1630 Ravella Drive so um he just like drops Joyce or something and runs off oh no she just threw him out the window duh she threw him out the window sorry I had like my battery died and I had a little distraction there so she throws him out the window and then um she calls 911 and um then inexplicably Xander and Willow walk in and they're like what happened <laughs> like they had no reason to do that Buffy just like went home from studying with Willow like there was no reason for them to be there 
at all. So that was a little strange and distracting. Um, okay. Darla bites Joyce, Angel, okay, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Throws them through the window. Yes, yes. Um, oh, and then at the hospital, Giles shows up and, um, first of all, Buffy's wearing a snowman shirt. This episode aired on, in April. Like, obviously it was like Christmas time when they filmed it or something. Um, but this is weird. That is very weird. Um, I guess the show would have been around Christmas time if it had aired during the beginning of a normal season of TV though. So I don't know, but it was just weird that she was wearing a snowman shirt this whole day. She'd been wearing it. Um, this is her worst outfit of the episode, by the way. Okay. So then they're at the hospital and this is when Joyce meets Giles for the first time. So that's a nice little moment. Um, and there's also this cute, um, she says, boy, the teachers really do care in this town because <laughs> he's just like there to check up on her or, or, you know, he's acting like he's there to check up on her. Um, but it's, it's just funny. They're all there to, um, Buffy, Xander and, um, Willow and Giles are all there at the hospital with Joyce. And there's this cute little moment where Xander smiles at Joyce, um, as they're walking out the room. And it's just like this, like, I don't know, this just little moment of this like sweet little smile, like, like I'm here for you. I hope you get better. And it's just a sweet little Xander smile. I, I enjoyed that little moment. Um, Buffy just decides she's going to go, she's going to kill Angel. She's going to kill him. So she goes after him with the crossbow and um, Darla is taunting Angel again in his apartment. Somehow she, I don't know why, but Angel goes to the bronze and Buffy finds her there, finds him there. And then they get in not really a fight, but he is just sort of taunting her like, yeah, well, go ahead and kill me, you know? And um, so she tries and then, but she fails kind of on purpose to kill him. And then they get in the conversation where he explains to her he has a soul because he killed this um, gypsy girl and um, she was very respected in her tribe and um, so like her family put a curse on him where he had to have a soul and this is where the he says the quote of the episode so let me get back to that page so I can make sure I get it right and he, you know, he talks about how he was a terrible, terrible vampire, just like vampires always are for hundreds of years. And then he gets a soul, a soul. So he says, you have no idea what it's like to have done the things that I've done and to care. So that was just a, whoa, hit you in the feels, hit you in the feels. And she's just listening to his whole thing the whole time and she doesn't know she doesn't know that Darla was the one that bit her mom but he says to her it wasn't me and he doesn't say it was Darla or you know explain it at all he just says I'm not the one that bit her and Buffy immediately sets the crossbow down and decides to like believe him I think that is, that's a, another moment that just confused me. Like, why would she believe him? She caught him holding her mother after she had been bit and he was in vamp face. Why would she believe him? But I, I guess the whole thing you're supposed to think is her feelings for him are so intense that she just 
she just trusts him. She just does. She loves him already and she trusts him. And she sort of makes a choice to trust him after his whole story because he says that he didn't bite her mom and that's when he goes into the story about how he has a soul. And she just believes him immediately. And she, he said, for some reason, I don't know why this line is in there, but he says, I wanted to kill you tonight. And she walks up to him and she like sort of bares her neck and she says, then why don't you? And of course she doesn't actually want to die. Um, this is obviously a test of trust. Like she really does trust him to not kill her, but this is also sort of a test like, okay, uh, really, Mr. Vampire Dude? Are you really as good as you say you are? And I like that, um, that she just sort of calls, calls his bluff right there, you know? Like, he's trying to create distance because nothing can ever happen between them because he's a 242-year-old vampire and she's a 16-year-old girl. Nothing can ever happen. But he's trying to create distance by, you know, saying he's playing up all these terrible things that he's done you know like he actually tells her like I killed my family and I killed my friends and I killed my friends families and that's when he says you have no idea what it's like to have done the things that I've done and to care so it's a really it's a good it's a well-written you know this whole thing is mostly well-written um I'm, I'm into it you know, um, I wish I had seen this shit as it was airing. I didn't actually start watching Buffy until season three. And that's totally my fault because I knew that the show was debuting. I had seen the movie and I loved the movie and I thought they wouldn't be able to do as well as the movie. So I didn't even try to watch it. I hate that. One of my biggest regrets is that I didn't start watching Buffy until the third season, because if I had seen this from the beginning, that would have been, it would have been a really cool moment when you find out that he has a soul, because that's an interesting concept. Up until this point in culture, I mean, we had Anne Rice vampires who aren't totally evil, but we didn't really have the concept of love between a human and a vampire in culture. That wasn't really a thing. And there's, there's some like validity to that plot line <laughs> twilight was standing um but i mean there's something to that storyline if it's done well and in this show it is done well okay so why would she believe him it's i don't know why um okay then darla comes in and she has guns and i think the only reason why she has guns which are hardly ever on this show um there's a, there's a point in the show where Buffy, like she's trying to use the gun and it misfires or something and she throws it aside and she's like, guns, these things never useful. <laughs> so I always think of that. These things never useful. So Darla comes in with two motherfucking guns. And I think the only reason is because Xander and Willow and, um, Zan Xander and Willow and Giles are looking for Buffy and they know that she mentioned that Angel lives somewhere near the bronze, so that's where they are. They're sort of wandering around, I guess, in the warehouse corner of Sunnydale. Um, and they hear the guns, and so that's when they go into it. So, the, okay, here's another funny thing. Like, 
the bronze is closed right now because they're fumigating for cockroaches. And this is where this whole fight is taking place. Lots of destruction of property too, by the way. Um, and I, I, I feel like they shouldn't be in there, right? Like if they're fumigating for cockroaches, there's gotta be some pretty bad chemicals in there, which probably won't affect Darla and Angel, but they should affect Buffy because she's human. Anyway, whatever. They don't mention that. I mean, she could have just been like, man, it smells like chemicals in here or something. But there's no acknowledgement of that. Whatever. Okay. If you think too hard about the plot, some of the plot details of Buffy, there's there's some problems. So let's just not go there. Um, anyway, so Darla's trying to kill Buffy with guns. She shoots Angel, but, you know, bullets don't kill vampires, so whatever. Um... And I wanted to mention the sound effects. I listened to this episode. I watched it on a DV- on my DVD, and I listened to it with my headphones. And with the exception of, like, the sounds of the bullets of the guns, this episode was sound-wise sound was engineered pretty well. Uh, I Several times I was thinking, yeah, like, a lot of the sounds actually sounded like they were happening in the moment. Like, when somebody earlier, Buffy, tried to, like, give Angel some dinner whenever he was staying in her bedroom and she handed him like a Ziploc bag full of food and it's it just sounded like the realistic sounds of it just sounded exactly like a Ziploc bag full of food um instead of like you know how sometimes they'll put the sound effects in later and they're just not quite right this episode really it really held up to the headphone test, so I, I'm curious to see if maybe I'll just watch all the future episodes with headphones on and see if they all um, hold up to that. I still don't like the fight music. The music that they do during fight scenes is so fucking cheesy. And sometimes their music in other parts of the show are cheesy, but in this episode, the score was pretty good. It was pretty understated. Um and interesting. I felt like I, I enjoyed it anyway. So let's see. Oh, Angel kills Darla because she's, you know, she's attacking Buffy. And so he kills Darla to save Buffy. And then he just sort of looks at Buffy dramatically and leaves. And, um, so that's the end of Darla for now. We will get flashbacks of Darla later in the show. And Darla's a big part of the Angel spinoff series later, but, um, as far as in the rest of Buffy, she only shows up in flashbacks from now on flashbacks of Angel's life. Um, so the master throws a huge fit because Buffy killed Darla and Darla was his favorite and she's been with him for 400 years, apparently. And, um, Buffy wears a lot of what I consider to be Buffy blue in this episode, just want to mention that real quick three different times she's wearing this color and it is the color that like I said I think of as buffy blue it's sort of a sky blue color but it's kind of kind of more neon than that she wears it in the beginning of the episode with like a pleather looking like fake leather jacket and then she wears it later when she's training with Giles in a training with Giles scene, she's just wearing a t-shirt that's that color. And then at the very end of the episode, she's wearing like a spaghetti strap shirt that's that color. So there's a lot of Buffy blue in this episode, which I always enjoy because I think that's her color. 
that's her iconic color um, and then at the very end, they're back at the bronze. This is the post-fumigation party. There was the pre-fumigation party. Then they were closed, and a lot of things got broken during that fight. <sighs> but everything's fine when they go to the post-fumigation party. And um, Buffy and Angel have a, a discussion about how they can't ever. They can't ever. They just can't ever. Because she's like, for one thing, you're like 226 years older than me. <laughs> and then they do like a goodbye kiss and he leaves and there you go. It's not a real goodbye kiss. Spoiler alert. They're going to have a very dramatic relationship um, for the next like uh, two seasons or so. Two and a half years or so. Um, so let's see. Oh, and when they do their goodbye kiss, Buffy is wearing the gigantic silver cross necklace that Angel gave her in the first episode. Um, and after the kiss, when she turns around and walks away, walks back to Xander and Willow, he's got a cross burned into his chest. So that's one of the, the most iconic metaphoric symbols of the whole show is that you know he withstood that burning pain in his chest because um because vampires are repelled by crosses he withstood that um in order to kiss her so that was a sweet little moment um let's see okay so that's all my notes so um i guess we can get into my official ratings and stuff as I said before, the object of the episode, the object of desire in the episode is that crochet pillow. There was also sort of a tie. This is the first time you see um, Angel's apartment. And in his apartment, there is a Quan Yin statue, which if you guys have ever been to my house, is that exact same statue that I have on my mantle. That really big, tall Kuan Yin, who is like a bodhisattva of compassion, I believe. Um, she's she's a Buddhist thing. He has one of those in his apartment. And it's the same statue, except it's on like a wooden pedestal, whereas mine is just, it's the same stone material throughout. It's still on a pedestal, but it's the same material. It's not wood. So they're slightly different, but it's it's just funny because my mom gave me that statue I think she found it at an antique place or my grandma found it or something and um, it's just my favorite statue that I have it's kind of like covered in tornado still because I didn't want it's like kind of delicate and I didn't want to clean it anyway whatever it's the same statue that I have in my house so he's got a Kuan Yin statue so that's the other object of desire but since you see the crochet pillow first and we will see that Quan Yin statue in another day. And I don't have to pluck it out of the episode to put it into my own life because I already have it. <laughs> um, so that's kind of another thing I wanted to, another object of desire I wanted to mention. So first time you see his Quan Yin statue. The outfit of the episode is the first outfit that you see Buffy wearing. I just love it. She's wearing like a silvery, sparkly, like halter top, like a cropped like her midriff is showing and it ties at the neck but then she has over it a crocheted black long sleeve I think it's bell sleeved um, shirt over it so it 
it just it, I just think it looks really cool the black crochet netting over the like silver sparkly top I just think looks so cool and she's also wearing just I think just generic black pants with some like chunky boots and um then later she has that um buffy blue pleather jacket on too to complete the look um so and her makeup is good they're still doing that cute little like subtle cat eye on her um and I just love it I love what they're doing with her makeup lately um let's see or lately in 20 years ago I liked what they were doing with Sarah Michelle Gellar's Sarah Michelle Gellar's makeup um the quote of the episode like I said is when Angel said you have no idea what it's like to have done the things that I've done and to care which I've now said it three times you're welcome um and then my five by five ratings as far as loud the loud rating that I do from zero to five and that's just the enjoyability the general enjoyability of the episode I would say is a four I don't want to give it a complete five because there are other episodes that I love, love, love. And this isn't quite on that scale for me, but I think it's a really important episode. I think if, if you're paying attention to this podcast so that you can know which episodes you should watch, this is one that you should definitely watch. I think so far you could get away with watching the first two episodes and just this one. Or you should watch Never Kill a Boy on the first date and then this one after watching the first two episodes. Um, so far, the other ones you could kind of skip. But um, this one is definitely an important episode of the series. So that's Angel from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, not, I didn't give you my clear rating. As far as like... I'm trying to think, what is the metaphor that we're supposed to get here? Because that's what this show is all about. That high school is hell. Like, taking the, the real-life angst of growing up and turning it into a monster. So how does that translate in this particular episode? I'm not totally sure. I started thinking about it like, okay, this whole, like, older man who's in love with a younger woman and he has this monster inside of him that he is warring with and he's trying to stay away from her for her benefit but he can't because he loves her too much so I'm trying to think like how does that translate into the real world and I wonder if this is sort of a metaphor of masculinity like that every man growing up in our culture is taught to be a monster to women. Not saying they're born that way, but they're taught to at the very least be dismissive of women and think less of them. So I wonder if Joss was kind of saying something about that with this angel storyline. Is he saying that you know, men sort of have to harness their, their inherent evil that was taught to them by our society in order to really respect a woman. And he's trying, Angel is trying really hard to be a good man for Buffy. And he will never stop trying to be a good man for Buffy, but he often fails and any time he is even a little bit selfish, 
he fails completely and he hurts her. So I wonder if that is the metaphor. I've never really thought about that until now. So I didn't give it a perfect score because I wasn't really sure what this episode is trying to say as far as the metaphor, the message, the moral, which there always is one. I mean, not always, <laughs> but, um, so I'm not totally sure. I don't think it's completely clear, but I think there's a lot to think about if you wanted to think about it. So I gave that a, a four too. So four times four, my five by five rating is 16. So this episode gets a 16. Um, the music of the episode, really the only, I mean, there was a score throughout, but really the only song that was in the episode is called I'll Remember You by Sophie Zelmani, who is, um, this song is played in the very last scene when Buffy and Angel kiss at the bronze and she leaves the cross burnt into his chest, um, which she doesn't know happens, of course. <laughs> but, um... Which, how could she not know? Wouldn't she, like, feel the sizzling? And plus, there's no way that that kiss was pressing their chests together, like, exactly like that. But whatever, it's a nice image. Gonna try to leave that little nitpick behind. Um, so that song I'm gonna play for you right now. If you're listening to the radio show, it is available on Spotify um, the way you spell Sophie Zelmani's last name is Z-E-L-M-A-N-I. You can also always check out, since I'm the Mixtress on my Spotify, just look up like Mixtress Ray Spotify or whatever. There is a playlist called, there's two different Buffy playlists that I have. One is called Radio Sunnydale and the other one's just called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The one called Radio Sunnydale is like my favorite songs from the series in order of appearance. And the one called Buffy the Vampire Slayer is every single song from the series in order of appearance that I could find on Spotify. So um, I always put links to those playlists in my um, show notes for the episode. So if you're interested, you can also find that song on those playlists. It's not one of my favorites, though, so it's probably just on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer playlist, but you'll find it on there, and if you want to look her up, she's on Spotify. So that's the music of the episode. That's what you're going to hear right now if you're listening to Mixtress Radio. If you're listening to the podcast and you're interested in listening to Mixtress Radio ever, it airs every Friday from 7 to 11 p.m. Central Standard Time on my website, MixtressRay.com. It's also available on TuneIn under Mixtress Radio, um, but you can just go to my website, MixtressRay.com. So I hope you guys have a great week. Um, next week, there is not a Buffy episode because the next episode does didn't air until April 28th of 97. So I'll be back again in two weeks to do another Buffy episode. But of course, you can always um, check out my other podcast episodes and my radio show in the meantime. So I will see you guys next time. Bye.